0: Welcome to Trek Film Society, the show on Talk Film Society, where we take a look at all of the Star Trek movies with a more critical eye. I'm Mike, and as always,
1: I'm joined by Marcelo. How's it going, Marcelo? Hey, Mike, uh, it's going fantastic.
2: (laughs) Why did you say it like that?
1: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Because is it going fantastic? I don't know. And I'm also joined
0: by Diego. How's it going, Diego? Well,
2: I'll tell you guys what this glass of vodka is fantastic.
0: (laughs) All right, all right. You're like Chekhov drinking the vodka. Duh. Yeah. All right. Um, Today, we are going to be taking a look at the seventh Star Trek movie and the first Star Trek The Next Generation movie, Star Trek Generations. So, this movie was released in November of 1994. And, yeah, it's the passing of the torch. Okay, okay, so so the original series actors getting a bit older, getting a bit tired of making Star Trek, Next Generation killing it on the airwaves. The decision was made to end Next Generation, it didn't get canceled, it ended, and transition that crew into the feature films uh, in order to make way for a new television series, which we'll be talking about later on, and uh, yeah, make a Next Generation movie, but they wanted it to be big, they wanted it to be special, they wanted it to have certain elements, and uh, most notably that the Captain Kirk would pass the baton to Captain Picard. And you know, they, they, they had all these ideas in place and they didn't know how to execute them. So they did what you would do for a piece of art under normal circumstances, you hire um, two competing writers, to write their own scripts and then you read both of them and pick the one you like best. What? (laughs) (laughs) So they hired Maurice Hurley who was the showrunner of... Next Generation in seasons one and two, the seasons which everyone doesn't like, uh, they, they decided to bring him back to write one script. And they brought in Ron Moore and Brandon Braga, who were the young, hip kids on Next Generation, to write a second script. And uh, the two ideas were vastly different. had nothing to do with each other aside from, you know, Picard and Kirk meeting each other in some way. And uh, it was decided that the Moore and Braga script was the way to go. So they hired them to flesh it out. And then Next Generation ended, and like a month later... They started shooting this thing. I mean, this thing was filming before the finale had aired. So it was really quick. Uh, All Good Things, which we watched last week, that aired in May. This came out in November. So, yeah, they wanted to make this big. They wanted to make it special. They wanted to make sure that it would be done right. So they called up Leonard Nimoy and they were like, "Hey, you want to come back to direct it?" And he's like, "Yes, I will come back and direct it." And they're like, "Great, because you know we want you to be in it and everything. It's going to be great. We're going to have the full cast in there at the beginning." And then they're like, "Well, we'll have like just just Kirk, Spock, and McCoy in there to to, to, be, to at the beginning. That'll be fine." And they uh, gave the script to Nimoy, and Nimoy's like uh this s- script is bad <laughs> y- you guys uh you guys need to rewrite it
1: and it was this more Braga script
0: yeah yeah it was the script that we see on screen and they're like well we're not going to do that <laughs> if you want to make the movie, this is the movie that we're making. And he's like, well, I don't want to make this movie. So uh, you guys are going to have to find another director. So they were like, okay, let's, let's go with our stable. Because already the person who was running Star Trek at this time on the TV side was Rick Berman. He started off as an executive at... Paramount, and he was like the guy, he was like the studio guy who they brought in to like watch over uh, Gene Roddenberry's shoulder and make sure that he wasn't, you know, getting too crazy. And basically, Gene Roddenberry was like, I like you, you're cool why don't you leave the studio and come work for me instead? And he's like, that sounds like a good idea. So he literally like traded sides, you know, <laughs> and then became like Roddenberry's guy. And when Roddenberry's health started failing and everything, he basically said, Berman, you are the new, like he is Berman. He, he was Roddenberry's Kathleen Kennedy, you know? So, so Berman took over the franchise and um, in a lot of ways it got, Better, but at the same time, he was very insistent on maintaining Roddenberry's vision. And he had done such a good job with the television shows that they said, Well, we want you to uh, produce the movie and, and, you know, take control. And once Nimoy left, he was like, How about we, you know, just hire from within? So they hired David Carson who directed uh, a couple of big episodes of of the show, including the pilot for Deep Space Nine, and they were really happy with his work. So they hired him to direct this, and almost the entire crew, uh, with the exception of, like, the cinematographer, who's the guy who shot Chinatown and and a few other people, came from the the television production. And uh, that's how we got Star Trek Generations. Uh, But what did we get? <laughs> um, Marcelo,
1: yes, that is me. Uh, me you, and this movie. You? Um, I watched this for the first time a few years ago. Tell the story before on the show. Yeah, you know, bought some, bought a big box set with all the movies from, you know, uh, original series, you know, films through next generation films. Watched it for the first time a few years ago. And was like, this is not good. <laughs> this is maybe a bad movie. But then, hey, I watched it um, a few days ago this week on May the 4th. Um, and I ended up liking it more. And good. Let, let me explain myself. And I, I can see Diego making a face. <laughs> you don't face. have to explain I'm yourself. I'm not doing
2: anything. I'm just, we're, we're getting <laughs>
1: ready. On, we're on Zoom right now, and this is, mm-hmm. this is a video call. I'm, just, I'm just getting ready. Um. I think you know what, Mike. This this uh, podcast was a success, you know, because me watching last week's uh, Next Generation episode, the the finale, all good things. It gives me enough context to who Picard is, because I, th- I think that's what was missing when I watched these movies. Is I have, I don't, I oh, more back then than now. I just didn't think Picard was a good character because i just didn't get him but now with enough context just you know a a 90 minute finale and this backstory here in generations i i understand him more and i like his character arc in this and even the kirk the the picard stuff works and i think the kirk stuff barely works and yeah it's good enough it's good enough okay i'm on the positive here because i by the end of it i'm like okay i it was a decent enough send off for kirk but it was a more successful pass off to the next generation crew and i was with 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 i was more on board with this crew now taking over the franchise and we'll see what happens with that but it's a good passover you know passing the torch sort of thing. So that's my feeling watching it again now this week.
0: Just a couple of things to interject there. Uh one thing your your observation about Picard and not liking him from watching the movies but then liking him from the one episode that you saw. Um <laughs> that is a thing which uh, a lot of people uh, are upset about is his portrayal in the movies, right? Um he comes across as sort of like um violent action m- like militant picard in the movies and whereas in the show he was always sort of the the guy who was very intellectual and solved problems by talking through them yeah. and everything like that and you know when the movies you know by their nature have to be more action oriented and everything but also from patrick stewart's notes saying like I want to, you know, kick some ass in these things, you know. <laughs> there there's a lot of people who say like the Picard in the movies is different, it's a different character than the Picard in in the show. And I, it's interesting. I mean like the 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 new series Picard has kind of like corrected that or explained it or something and made it I think work pretty well. But and I never had that big of a problem, you know, to begin with, but that is a thing that 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 people do complain about um the other thing in terms of like the passing of the torch um you know while the media and everything and not to mention the publicity all that stuff was very much focused on like it's the two crews that meet like the thing that that the production and rick berman in particular always insisted on was like this is not a crossover movie this is a next generation movie which guest stars some people from the original series like he that was like his constant thing leading up to this to this movie was like don't expect some sort of like you know massive you know marvel versus dc crossover here you know it's next generation with some extra people so so that was kind of like where the the Production was coming from when they were making this thing.
1: Yeah, and I, I kept in mind um, last week's last episode's movie. You know, that being for me, you know, uh, the definitive end of the original series crew. And yeah, yeah, this felt just more like they're there, but you know, they're not. You know, pushed forward. Um, you know, Kirk by the end is, and we'll talk about that, but. Yeah, it's more a next generation movie for me.
0: And I hear, here's one little thing there, and this is something which becomes crystal clear when you find out about that backstory. You know, like it, 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 originally they wanted everyone, right? They they basically that those scenes were going to have the entire crew, and then they were like, ah, we would have to pay all of them. <laughs> <laughs> How about we just make it the big three? You know, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Yeah. Then when Nimoy backed out as director, he's like, "I'm not going to act in this thing either," you know, and and uh, DeForest Kelly, who plays McCoy, he was basically retired already, and he's like, "I, I'm not gonna, I don't want to do this again," you know, <laughs> just just leave me alone. <laughs> so, so so they got Chekhov and Scotty, I think, just because it's like, well, we could get anyone, right? But like. It, and even back then, it's like, why those three? That's a weird choice, you know. Whatever, okay, the, those three. We'll just we'll do this then. But you watch it now, and you can totally tell that it was written for the other two characters. Yeah. Scotty was supposed to be Spock, and Chekhov was supposed to be Bones. I mean, like even that line, like you know, where where the the crisis starts happening, and like Kirk keeps on standing up and sitting down, and then like. You know, Scotty's like, Captain, is there something wrong with your chair? Like, that's a Spock line. That's not a Scotty line. And then freaking Chekhov, like, what he does is he, he. I mean, he goes like, you and you, you've just become nurses. That's a Bones line. And then his whole thing is going down to sickbay and taking care of, of the, the, the the refugees who are, you know, injured. That's... <laughs> That's Bones. That's Bones. He's the doctor. <laughs> you know? Like, they didn't even try. They were just like, it would be too hard to, like,
1: rewrite this thing. Let's just find and replace. You know? That, now that you say that, that makes complete sense. But I just saw it as just like, hey, nobody else to show up. We just got <laughs> these 2 you know, screw it. Let's just do it. <laughs> I mean, to yeah. pull
2: from another retrospective series we did, that's basically what happened to Megan Fox's character in Transformers Three. <laughs> oh, now yeah, it's another. True. Now it's not Michaela, even though too, the dialogue is for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so Diego, what did you think about Star Trek Generations? When did you first <laughs> <to> take, <laughs> did a you take a big yeah, sip of take your a sip.
2: vodka? <sighs> yeah. It's bad. <laughs> it's it doesn't work. Um, very little in this film works. Uh, up up to this point in the series, I would say this is actively the worst in the series of films uh, because it doesn't add anything, and the characters, while not feeling true to their own like television counterparts, at least. Um, I would also argue that the film doesn't give them, like, an exciting Star Trek story. Like, I I think it just feels like we want to make this big. They forgot the special part, though. (laughs) And and I I think this is worse than Star Trek V. I I think this is a genuinely, like, bad movie. Like, even apart from all the Star Trek stuff, even as a space action adventure film, I, I, I do not think this... Works. Although, shout out to Malcolm McDowell, who is a great character actor, and is innocent in all of this.
0: Okay, here's the thing about Malcolm McDowell, right?
2: <laughs> oh no, here we go. <laughs> he hates
0: this movie more than you, right? Uh huh. Like he he is uh like cousins or an uncle. I think he's he's uh, an uncle to uh, Alexander Siddig, who plays uh, Doctor Bashir. On Deep Space Nine, he's also in. Uh, he plays Rage Al Ghul in uh, Gotham, I think, yeah. and uh, Great he, actor. Plays, uh, he plays. He uh, plays. He's on Game of Thrones too, or something like that. And I, I guess according to, to Alexander Siddig, um, every time he talks to his his uncle Malcolm, right, he's always like what the fuck are you doing on that Star Trek bullshit? Oh my God, this is a bunch of bullshit. You
2: know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he hates it. And he has very been rather public about how much he hates it, including this one. So, so there's malcolm mcdowell and you know not not a not a big star trek fan um the whole franchise he's just like no he he's, he thinks it's all a bunch of garbage yeah <laughs> yeah
1: um so but, so the money is the reason why he did this right just the money <laughs> yes the, the i money. mean
2: hey everyone needs to get paid yeah i, I respect that hustle But
0: the other thing that I will say, you know, production-wise or whatever and script-wise and stuff like that, I mean, we talked about this last week, how, you know, Moore and Braga, the writers, they, you know, after writing All Good Things, they were like, I kind of wish that was the movie. And they've talked about how, I mean, you listen to their commentary and it's pretty good because they're like, doesn't really work, you know? Um, so, it's it's kind of, kind of interesting to hear that. But, you know, the thing that they have always said is, like, they went into it, and they're like, you know, the studio, everybody is, you know, saying, like, okay, this is how it's going to go. Uh, Kirk needs to be in it. He needs to die. The Enterprise needs to blow up. We need a villain which is, you know, in the same vein as Khan. Uh, so put all of those things together into a movie and they're like any one of those things perfectly fine but you want us to somehow construct a thing which has all of that in it like we you know i mean it's like mad libs at that point you know or something like that right Mm -hmm. so you know they they were kind of they had their hands tied with this one. Whereas, you know, they wrote the next one and it was kind of like, you guys can do whatever you want, come up with the best story. And that's what they came up with. So, so that, that's sort of another little production thing as to why the script may not be the best, but
1: okay. So, so Diego hates it. (laughs) (laughs) now. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I don't want to be, you know, out defending this movie but i guess <laughs> nah, I do it, let's happen.
2: do it let's fight
1: bloodbath <laughs> i know uh, but uh, i'll tell you what works for me okay surprisingly i think the picard stuff works his him losing his nephew which i think the first time i watched this i was very confused i thought his brother well his brother died but i thought he was talking about his brother not being able to go to like academy and like falling in love i go what i think that happened to me the first time i watched this and then i remember that watching this the the second time and i go wait a second so i rewound that scene where it's looking through the photo album put the put the subtitles on (laughs) made sure what was going on and then i was like oh it's his nephew that died that's right okay um but that whole arc even though they give him a lot to do picard uh uh, patrick stewart they give him a lot of like like drama, a lot of m- melodrama, a lot of like performance, upon the screen for his first Star Trek movie. I think it may be too much, because he's like he's the he's the he's the captain like on that uh, on that ship out in the on the ocean in the what, what, oh, yeah. the was it the hollow deck right? Y- yes, the ho- hollow deck. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's a fun <laughs> sequence. Okay, then you have him be like an asshole, you know. Then you have him be just flat out crying it's a lot for like a 10 minute span if for one character being introduced into a movie i think that's my real big negative but i think his story arc with like confronting like death and mortality and legacy um by the end admitting that you know that's life you can't live forever you have to leave these things behind i think that works okay it may not work compared you know paired up with Captain Kirk's you know, story arc which I think is like non-existent which I think it's just shoved in there by the very end I think Picard's at least works so I like that aspect of it and another thing, hey, you know, I, I mentioned last episode that the Avengers endgame, uh, end sequence stole you know uh, their end f- uh, from um Undiscovered uh, country, Doctor Strange stole its entire storyline from this movie generations so the whole <sighs> the whole like death uh immortality thing, so there you go
0: hey, there you go yeah <clears throat> uh, um, i i i i am even further up the, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 praise ladder than marcelo is but but at the same time i will fully admit that i'm completely biased because this movie i think i mean this movie literally is the height of my star trek fandom right i had just gotten into this show i was you know like mainlining next generation on a a nightly basis at you know every night 6 p.m wpwr power 50 you know just watching the reruns and um the idea of you know getting to see a a star trek movie on the big screen was just amazing to me i had never seen that before i didn't go to see movies i saw very few movies up until this point. So this is the first one where I'm like, I'm going to the special sneak preview on Thursday night and everything. And it is the movie that made me fall in love with movies, better or worse. You know, it, that's what it was. And just that spectacle, whatever, even though, you know, we can get into that compared to the others. It, that was It was my first time seeing that stuff you know so it's not the best by any stretch of the imagination but I love it because of what it means to me personally but that being said looking at it now I mean certainly I can see the script problems I mean the whole thing with the Nexus really doesn't make any sense and the Nexus plays by its own rules
1: yeah I, I <laughs> that, that whole thing I mean I the, the way the plot uses the Nexus in you know to, for these characters to confront mortality I like that I don't like the scientific Quote-unquote scientific uh, explanation of what exactly it is. Cause I don't. I still don't understand what it is. I don't get it. I don't understand why Roddy McDowell had to blow up a planet. Sorry, Malcolm McDowell. Well, who's his name? What's his name? Malcolm um, McDowell. Sorry, Malcolm yeah, McDowell, yeah. yes. Yeah. Malcolm McDowell. I don't understand why Malcolm McDowell had to destroy a planet. Why couldn't he just fly a ship into it? I don't understand because that. if you
0: f- he tried flying a ship into it that's what was happening at the beginning right,
1: right? Uh, why couldn't could he do it again it. that doesn't
0: work you can't go to the Nexus the Nexus has to come to you uh, I'm not saying it makes any sense but that's what they say
1: right well so, hold on let me let me ask a serious question okay yeah. and this is probably why I don't think this movie is like fantastic this, mm-hmm. I think this is maybe oh, what is the worst thing I don't what, two things I don't like about this movie Captain Kirk, his end, which we're, we're gonna save for later, because that's the whole oh, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just the whole explanation of the Nexus, like they, it, it felt like a five-minute scene of them, you know, him of a uh, Picard and Data figuring this out, and to show the wormhole or the the, the, the strand, the ribbon, mm-hmm. you know, and the planet system. I still, is there time travel involved? There's not, is there?
0: It exists outside of time.
1: That doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's stupid.
0: <laughs> so, so like, you're leaving time. So, basically, it's like you're jumping out, and then you can jump into time at any point that you want to once you're in there.
2: Yeah, it's like, you know, right. the Back to the Future thing where it's like, oh, like, it, it splinters off almost into separate timelines. But this, it, there's no line to draw to. It's just kind of like, oh, there's points outside of that line we're seeing that do not connect. That was my like understanding of it, yeah, but that I, is also not like a thing. It's <laughs> like, as good as
0: anything. I mean, it doesn't make sense, right? I yeah, mean, no.
1: <laughs> for for a second, I thought it was sort of a an all good thing scenario where, and I, this isn't the case, right? Where the 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 Malcolm McDowell, Malcolm McDowell's character ends up. Dist- ends up making an explosion that creates the ribbon, but that's not the case. That that no, no. I was just confused about the whole thing. The
0: the, the the reason why they were blowing up planets for this thing <laughs> is <laughs> is because they were trying to because if for some reason when you're on a spaceship, you can't get in the nexus, right? It just destroys the ship, right? So you can't be like, ribbons coming. I'm going to sit right here and wait for it to come hit me. You've got to have the like the ribbon has to come to you right so uh, maybe it's because I mean they don't say this in the thing but thinking about it now maybe it's because you're inside of a ship and you need to be out in the open
1: so is that why because but, but Kirk was on the ship when the Nexus took him that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> um so and I don't I don't want to be like cinema sins about this honestly but it could have been I think it explained a lot easier, maybe not has been as convoluted the, the whole nexus thing. But yeah, I, I mean, again, I'm asking all these questions because I sincerely don't know how but it works.
0: If we accept the fact that y- 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 the nexus needs to come to you instead of you going to the nexus, the reason why the planets were being blown up was <laughs> because the gravitational yeah, pull would... of those planets was altering the course of the nexus. Uh-huh. So he's like, if I stand on this planet here, And I blow up this planet here, then instead of the ribbon just passing by the planet that I'm standing on, it's going to make a a left turn and come to the planet that I'm standing on. That's why he was destroying planets, was to get the ribbon to go to a certain point where he could be.
1: Seems like there could have been an easier way.
2: (laughs) Probably, probably. probably. Uh, I, I think the big problem with the, like the plot of this film is that this is definitely one of those films where the plot just happens to the characters and they're reacting to it. Like, and and even then, you know, like that's a lot of episodic television. Like, oh, they stumble upon something and makes them confront something about themselves. You know, like you can, can like still convey an interesting story with that. But I think there's this weird point where because of those production notes, so, like you got to hit this beat, this beat, this beat, this beat. This beat. Which is really just Wrath of Khan. Like, they wanted another Wrath of Khan for the next generation, which I totally get. But you can't replicate that. And we all know that at this point, multiple times over. (laughs) But anyways, the the, the point I just want to make is that, like, it wants to give these characters a story about that kind of legacy because they are the legacy of of Star Trek now. They are the next generation. But the story doesn't allow them to to confront that naturally. It just kind of is because that's what we need this movie to be as it's passing on the torch to the film side of things. The TV series never even like had that as like a, that's not the driving force of the series, you know? And so I think that's why it also doesn't really fit for me as a, as a quality Star Trek film, because it doesn't feel true to like the story of next generation. It feels like, something very manufactured. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think the interesting point about that is that, and this kind of is a segue into some other stuff, which is the fact that it was fully made by the people who made the show, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So looking at that, One of the things which I noticed about it, you know, this time is that especially compared to like Undiscovered Country, which we had just watched, it felt small. It felt like a television production on the big screen. And yeah, yeah, they had money behind it and the effects were good and everything like that. But it really felt kind of like a big episode of TV. And I just kept on thinking... You know, after watching it, like, when the original series made the leap to the big screen, granted, it was uh, ten years later instead of seven months later, (laughs) you know, six months later. Um, But... They Like, with motion picture, good or bad, they were like, we are going for it. We are going to make this epic. It is not going to be these cardboard sets that we had before. We're not going to have our weird primary color uniforms. We're going to have the big screen experience. It's going to be 2001, you know? And with this one, they were literally just like, let's get a new cinematographer uh, let's um, redesign the bridge slightly so that it works better for widescreen compositions, and then let's just do what we always do, you know. And and I, it it feels small for for something which is supposed to be the grand, you know, yeah. adventure on the big screen. I mean, what did you guys think about that?
1: I had that exact exact same thought, um, and I I realized that when whenever picard confronts michael mcdowell on that rock planet which i mike is that rock is that location one that star trek has used before because it very much looks like a star trek location
0: um, I mean, the, 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 the really famous Star Trek location, which is used uh, all the time, is the Vasquez Rocks, uh, mm-hmm. which is outside of L.A., which I've been to. We, I almost got married there and, uh, <laughs> nice. until, until we went on a day when it was 113 degrees and realized that the closest restroom was 45 minutes away <laughs> driving. Um, but it's still a great place to go to. Have you been there, Diego?
2: I have not, actually. So oh, maybe I'll go. go by myself right now. In Do full it. body armor. <laughs>
0: hey, there's not any... I mean, there's literally no one around. Like, when we were there, there were the people at the... Although it's probably closed because it's at, like a national... Oh, party, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So once yeah. this
2: is over, though... Yeah. Then I
0: gotta go. Uh, that's, that's the famous place. That's where Kirk fought the Gorn and all that stuff. This was actually shot in um, Nevada in a place called the Valley of Fire, mm. which... I, I. It's kind of disappointing. I was supposed to go there, because every year they they have the Star Trek convention in Vegas, and uh, a friend of mine, fellow podcaster, lives in in Vegas, and she was going to take us to the Valley of Fire uh, to to see the location, and um, it was one of those things where it was like 125 degrees, and, you know, it's just like, uh, let's just... pass on this but the interesting thing is I mean that's another national park and like they had to like keep everything exactly how it was they couldn't change anything but um, they built all of those like bridges and everything and uh, when they were done with it they were like we're not we're just going to throw this stuff away do you, do you want it and the park's like well we could use that so there's a bridge which the park took, like they didn't leave it there they like took it and put it somewhere else so that it's like going over like a little like canyon thingy but you can actually go to like the bridge that kirk you know Died under. (laughs) I mean, it's still there. It's like it's not like this is where Kirk died. It's just like this is a working bridge in this park. You know,
1: if you were to go, well, you haven't been there, right, Mike? But no, unfortunately, I I would assume if anybody goes there, there's just gonna be people. Well, if parks, you know, open when they open, (laughs) Um, I'm I'm assuming people can go there and can see fellow nerds just like lying on the on the bridge. Uh, taking pictures of like Kirk's death you know like reenacting re- re- Kirk's death on the bridge um, it seems fun but <laughs> no okay my point yeah it felt very much like a classic original series like type of set and it all it like that middle of the movie being centered just on these two guys <laughs> the bad guy and the good guy talking it, talking it out it felt small but I that didn't bother me I can see how it bother other people expecting maybe a bigger adventure but for whatever reason I'm like, uh, maybe it's because I'm watching these episodes of Star Trek along the way. And I'm like, yes, this at the very least feels at the very least feels like a mediocre Star Trek episode but it yeah, it, it doesn't take it, it, the smallness doesn't take away from how much I enjoyed it. So there you go. I think it works perfectly
0: fine. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it's got some clunkiness to it and everything, but I don't think it. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. You know, I, 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 I like it quite a bit. And a lot of that is nostalgia. It's, I mean, uh, it's basically the same exact reason why I like Batman Forever. But um, <laughs> well,
1: Batman Forever is a much better movie, though.
0: Come on, <laughs> I don't know
1: about that. <laughs> <It's a> much, <laughs> uh, come on,
0: <laughs> it's 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 much more of a movie, and uh, yeah. I love it. I, I love Batman Forever as much as I love Star Trek Generations. But I think if I were to compare the two completely objectively I would say that Generations is a better
2: movie I am much more fan that. of Batman Forever for Batman Forever is almost kind of like my Generations to you Mike I didn't see it in the theater yeah. uh, but it was the Batman movie I saw the most as a kid for sure And it was kind of like my idea of Batman more than the Burton ones for a long time. And now I understand. I've rewatched Returns, and it's like, you know, that's one of the best movies ever made, whatever. And uh, Generations, I I can appreciate your connection to it. You know, when you have a connection like that, that's, like, wholesome and pure with a a work of art or whatever, like, that's, you know, no one can take that from you. Now, Marcella, you have no excuse. (laughs) So... (laughs) Why don't you uh, keep trying to explain yourself?
1: <laughs> uh, I, uh, a side note. My my movie that I that opened up my brain for cinema was start was Star Wars, um, episode four, A New Hope, the special edition, which nice. I saw in ninety seven. And I have no nostalgia concerning that special edition. Not at all. Mm-hmm. I can I can I would rather not see that special edition. I would rather get the the, the despecialized versions because man and even the special edition i watched in ninety seven is not available anywhere i don't think it's 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 been changed so yeah, yeah always i mean it's on the uh a clunky laser disc
0: yeah, yeah. you can you can see it on the laser disc so it is i have it, it i uh,
1: mike let me borrow your laser disc disc and let uh, me buy I, a laser disc player
0: <laughs> you should do
1: that but yeah no i mean uh, just to close that thought like yeah um you know, I have nostalgia for, like, the videotapes of the special edition and, like, George Lucas explaining his decision. Like, that sort of is in my brain. But I guess the fact... Maybe, if, like, again, if that version existed and if I saw that version, I would be like, Oh, I saw this in 97 and it blew my mind as a, however old I was, kid. 11 years old. Um, but now, I mean, it's changed so much. Like, since then, it's that... Movie has changed like ten times, you know, in the last twenty years, which is insane. Twenty years, or yeah, about twenty years. I don't know. Um, yeah. But anyway, oh, yeah. that, that 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 was my nostalgia uh, movie. Uh, that was my generations.
0: That's
1: cool. I respect That's cool. <laughs>
2: That's cool. Yeah.
0: I definitely have nostalgia for
1: that too. I mean, God, that when those movies were out, that was just like I yeah I I was because before then i had only seen like flipper on the big screen mm-hmm. and like i was seeing star wars star wars what's what's star wars i had never seen star wars before oh, wow. maybe like bits and parts on tv but yeah when i saw the trilogy in like what three months time when they mm-hmm. rolled those out anyway that was a great great time
0: uh, you know we were recording this a day later than we were originally going to because i had to actually go into work uh, this week but uh you know, I went in and I go over to my desk and there's like a, a poster tube sitting on my chair and I'm like, What's this? And I open it up and it's three original one sheets from the Star Wars special uh, editions. Absolutely oh, that's, pristine. Yeah. Wow. I was like, Oh my god, you know? And it was uh the the, the owners were cleaning out Something God knows what, you know, and they came across these and they were going to chuck them and they were like,
1: maybe Mike would want them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. So yeah, yeah, you have, you have one, you have Empire Strikes Back have, hanging right behind you. Yes, I do. Which those posters do. are amazing. By Fantastic the way, that, posters. Yeah. Drew Struzan. Yeah.
0: Oh and here's the other thing I was looking at it the other day, not to get off on a star Wars tangent, mm. but that entire poster the only place where it says Star Wars is in the StarWars.com wow. address. That's pretty bold. That's, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. that's what they used to do, but that's pretty bold.
2: Yeah. Know? Like, now that would be the biggest thing yeah, on there. Star Wars, The Empire mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Yeah. Would you also get give the same poster treatment to Star Trek Generations?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I had a, a a generations poster hanging up on my wall, like all throughout high school. I mean, the thing that I have, the generations thing that I have, you can't see it from here, but over there, I've got a a, a laser disc uh, signed by Morin Braga, um, and that oh that yeah, because I mean, I'm I'm a huge laser disc fan, and and I've found that, yeah, you know. Ha- like they look really cool when you get something... because <laughs> it's not just the jacket; it's the actual disc which is signed, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like a silver platter with. So anyway, I've got that hanging up. Um, that was like the first laser disc that I bought, like on the day it came out and everything. And so that's what I have. But yeah, like when I was a kid. <laughs> like a week before the movie came out um, uh, my, I was at the Forest Park Mall with my dad which doesn't exist anymore and uh, there was a guy who was taking out like the big bus shelter size posters like the, the massive posters um, he was taking down a Star Trek Generations poster to hang up a drop zone poster um, which was the, the, the attached trailer to Generations by the way Wesley Snipes drop zone so I went over to this guy, and I'm like, excuse me, uh, what do you do with those posters when you take take them down? And he's like, we give them to kids who so ask for them. And he handed me this thing. So I had <laughs> a, a, a massive Generations bus shelter hanging up uh, wow. on my wall for it. And that poster was amazing. Like, it had, like, the the, the, the logo and then the, the, the enterprise just warping into like this cut out space logo. And then it just said, boldly go, you know, I mean, it, it's a beautiful poster. So yeah, I would definitely hang up one of those if I had. Oh, see,
2: I yeah. haven't seen that poster. I was thinking of the one which I also to its credit would own because it's a striking poster. It's the one was like kind of a, a greenish reddish rainbow, like tint in the middle with the Star Trek logo and then half of Picard's face and half of Kirk's face. And it, it's yeah. like, it's a, it's a cool poster too, but the one you're describing sounds like way cooler. I,
0: I think I think the one that you're talking about might have been like a, an international poster or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm messaging you the,
1: the one. Ooh, that- I, I, I looked yeah, it up. I see, I see the there. boldly I just, go one. Just sent you a DM. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good one. I would definitely put that up. At least one yeah. thing we can agree on. The posters of this movie. Are oh, huge. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic posters. Yeah. So. Hey, s- speaking of faces, Captain Kirk, his face. Um, yeah. What's happened, Mike? <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> what? What's yeah, happened what? to his face? No, 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 no. I mean, what, oh, what, <laughs> what 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 happened to Captain Kirk? Let me Okay, let me just tell you this, and then I'll turn it to you guys. Because this is the one thing that... It it's disturbed the right word, it shook <coughs> me to my core. Um, his last lines, uh, which I I I actually looked it up after watching that final scene with Kirk. I go, why did Cap? Why did Shatner decide to end his character like that? In such a, it's it seems like a totally wrong way. Um, a very real way. So he's he's dying under the bridge. The bridge has you know, destroyed. His body. He's saying his last words to Picard. He I forget what he says before at the very end, but then like at the very very end of his life, he just looks off in the middle distance and he goes, "Oh my." And th- he's dead. And I'm like, "Jesus Christ, that is <laughs> real. <laughs> Too real for a Star Trek movie." And I looked it up. Yeah, Shatner just did it because he essentially just said, "What would this character be like at the very like realistically? What would he what would he, what would he feel when he is dying?" And you no, know, it, it it shook me to my core. Uh, and it, it 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 um it makes sense though because I I don't like his uh, even though I I, I enjoyed him uh, uh, interacting with Picard, and it made sense for him to be there. Really, there there was no reason for him to die, I don't think in this in this scenario. So, the the, the sacrifice wasn't real enough. I don't know. Did, does that make any sense? Because oh God, that's I have a problem with that. I have a problem with. No, with Kirk.
2: I, I think uh, many people, you know. uh, specifically Star Trek nerds, actually agree with you, Marcello, like big time. Okay. I, okay. I think that's. My correct you if I'm wrong, but like I think that's one of the big criticisms about this movie that everyone is kind of like. Well, why?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how he dies. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I do died. like the the oh my actually like with you, Marcel. It's a little real, but like I don't know the 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 idea that he's adventured throughout what we understand to be the known universe, and he's like what's. What comes next? Nothing or everything, and we don't need to know. But Kirk's about to find out, and that's like that's a really touching idea. Everything around it, I really dislike. But that moment, <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, that's like the possibility or the lack thereof. That's a great way to like put a little pin in that character's finale. I
1: I, I see I see that point of view but i just felt more like <laughs> he was venturing into like dark no well, i guess dark territory like yeah just, no like
2: that's the thing it yeah, could be nothing yeah, but yeah but <laughs>
0: but i that i don't think that was his intent like okay because i've actually heard him just dis- like explain this at a convention Oh, that's because that was the, like, <laughs> like, people people were like you know what the fu-? like I, I had a friend who was like the biggest Kirk fan ever right and he didn't even want to see this movie because he thought it was stupid that they were going to bring Kirk in just to kill him and he finally watched it on video or whatever and was like that movie was a bunch of bullshit they don't know what they're doing you know and then he's like what the hell you know you 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 give Kirk the worst line? You, oh my oh my what's that you know and he's like they they, they you know they, they really didn't do, do him justice and then it turns out Oh, yeah. Well, Shatner wrote the line himself. Yeah. And at this convention, he talked about how, like, he's like, well, what would he see? What are you going to see when you die? What is it? And it's like, I just imagine that, like, the universe would open up and you would see, like, everything. So, so the oh my was kind of like... Him watching the end of two thousand and one, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And he's well, like, "Oh my! Like this is f- fucking crazy." You know,
1: I I, <laughs> I, I I don't know if I made this if I if I if this is the point that anybody is anybody listening to me. Okay, I'm trying to, to 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 once again emphasize this. This disturbed me because I didn't see that. <laughs> I didn't see him knowing <laughs> everything. You know, knowing the ins and outs of the galaxy. Uh, him f- realizing the meaning of life i didn't get that i got that he just went into the void
0: <laughs> and that was well, it i think that says something about you exactly
1: okay.
0: so maybe you should be disturbed <laughs> like no but i am right there with you i'd be you know same he, way. I yeah mean, because like there's nothing after death sorry guys i i, <laughs> I yeah i
1: wanted oh, thank you i wanted <laughs> him to i i didn't get that sense of him yes realizing there's something there, there's, there's you know, light beams, there's, you know, uh, infinite joy. No. He just realized, oh, shit, I'm dying. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> anyway, dark. I, I, I like that interpretation, though. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think
2: the moment actually, again, the moment, not the anything around it, but the moment actually does work because that read is totally fine, you know? Yeah. I actually, I have to give this movie credit, even though it is one of the worst Star Trek movies. That that <laughs> moment I think works exactly as it needs to because you could have Marcel's reaction, or you could have Mike's confused reaction, or Mike's reaction, and I think they're all valid to it.
1: I, I, I my point is I just wanted some hope from from my interpretation, and I got none of it. <laughs> so I I got more hope from Picard. So luckily, Picard's arc was like, yeah, he he's alive, but he he realizes, you know. The whole legacy thing. But, I mean, go back to Kirk, because Kirk is the... I want to know this, Mike. So, people knew Kirk was going to die coming into the movie, right? Yeah, and this
0: is the thing. I try to explain this to people every chance I get, and I probably sound like a broken record, but movie advertising and marketing was completely different back then completely different I knew every single thing that was going to happen in this movie before I stepped into that theater I knew that Kirk was in it I knew he was going to die I knew that the Enterprise was going to blow up I knew all of it And it was really just about seeing how it happened. I mean, the example that I always give, sorry if I've given this already, but I just stumbled across this magazine uh, from 1994, which was all about Batman Forever. And, (coughs) And they did a set visit of Batman Forever and had an interview with Joel Schumacher. And this is a year before the movie came out. And Joel Schumacher, in this published interview, was like... Uh, yeah. This is what happens in the movie. Batman meets you know Two Face and blah blah blah. And then at the end of the movie, the big climax occurs on this island uh, that uh, you know Riddler created and blah blah blah. He literally tells the entire plot of the movie in an interview that came out a year before the movie. Mm. Nobody gave a shit about
1: spoilers.
0: That was it. Was not a thing.
1: Well, uh, so, can I ask you this? Like, when did it shift? Like, well, maybe think, just, just in terms of Star Trek, when, when, when did they close the doors? Was it, was it JJ? Uh, it probably
0: would have been. I mean, I think it was like a, a like kind of like a cultural thing that happened like with the internet probably had a lot to do with ain't a cool news, whether or not we uh, want to <laughs> admit yeah. that. Um, well, no, it's so, important
2: to know. Yeah. So, yeah. so
0: in terms, I mean like star Wars, or sorry, star Trek movies were always uh, by the time the shift occurred, like I think um, basically they were so small that no one cared about them. So I mean the first one that had like a super duper amount of secrecy was the JJ movie uh but prior to that I think um uh, when when Enterprise was was coming out which was uh September of 2001 and um when uh Nemesis was coming out I think at that point in time people were starting to lock things down like I remember they were saying like we're developing a show it's uh, we're not we're not telling you what the title is, you know, and they're like, well, what? And they're like, well, the one thing that we'll say is, it might not have Star Trek in the title, and I'm like, oh, so it's going to be called Enterprise because what else could it be called? Really? You know, um, you, you know, but like things like that where they were like not and and. My friend who is indebted to me for for life, although he won't admit that anymore, um, (laughs) went to, I worked for him so that he could go to the exhibitor screening of Nemesis like two or three weeks before it came out, and he came back with a a note, like a card that they were giving to everyone saying, um, it's important to us that people are surprised like you were surprised so please do us a favor and don't reveal any plot points for this movie and we had that hanging up in the booth for like 10 years so so it was certainly on their minds in 2002 but i think probably like 2001 is right around the time when that you know i mean that's when you start hearing about like you know, certain uh, uh, Phantom Menace with like the pages that you can't photocopy and all that stuff. You know,
1: yeah, even like X Files, Fight the Future was doing right. that type, type of stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So
0: it was when the internet came around. You yeah. know, before that, things were just so small. I mean, like you could buy. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute, but like the Voyager movie, or you know, the thing. Like five months before that, that thing aired. I bought the script for the pilot at a star Trek convention, just from some (laughs) random guy. And it was legit. I mean, it, it, It is what we saw, you know? So, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of secrecy at this point. Everyone knew that he was going to die. People were going to see it to see him die, really. And
1: (laughs) That's a hell of a thing to say. (laughs) uh, You know, I mean... I'm uh, going to see this movie to see Captain Kirk die.
0: (laughs) Which is probably why, even though, you know, it was ruined, obviously, by, you know, everything else. But it's probably why the filmmakers were like, let's kill him in the first scene, you know? (laughs) And he'll be gone. But, I mean, just the way the movies are structured and everything, you know he's coming back, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but here's the thing. When he did die, like, they had trouble with that. I mean, what did you guys think of the way Kirk went out? Like, you know.
2: it <laughs> was bad. It, it, it's it just, not, it doesn't work. It's it's not like, you know, if there's, I, actually, I want to, I want to face my statement. Because I, I think it's important not to just do something that makes me personally happy, you know? And I'm okay with, like, like. Uh, have we all seen Glass here? M. Night Shyamalan's oh, yeah. Glass? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, so that movie gives its heroes very unceremonious exits from the picture. And spoiler, I, alert. Yeah. spoiler alert. Spoiler uh, alert. I know this movie's a little divisive, but, like, just for my for the sake of my argument, I think that works because of the point the movie is making about, like, some grander statement, right? Right. And here, it's very unceremonious, and it's also like, okay, but why? <laughs> One, why does Kirk die in this? And two, why that way? Like, it, it's just because it's kind of shocking. To me, that's what I walked away with. They,
0: they couldn't figure it out. That was a reshoot. Originally, he died by getting, like, shot in the back or something like that. <laughs> And they were, and, you know, test audiences were like, oh, you just kind of shoot him in the back. I mean, that's like, it's kind of a weird way for, you know, so they were like, we need to make it more heroic. So that's when they did the whole thing with him, like jumping across the thing and grabbing the remote control and everything. But it's still, it feels, it doesn't work.
1: It's insane to me. (laughs) Um, I I, I forget where it was, maybe it was an interview or some show um, where they were, describing this, and, and this is before I'd seen the movie, all I knew about Captain Kirk dying was the ridiculous way he died, and that remains the same for me seeing it now again because not only does he get shot on the bridge, but he turns into a miniature, you know, little doll on a bridge, <laughs> yeah. spins into camera. It it doesn't work. And I, I will say if, you know, it, it barely for me makes sense him his, his sacrifice right I, I i liked him in the opening in the in like the prologue where he quote-unquote dies and to, you have know, to save uh, the enterprise i liked him when he when he's in the nexus i liked him interacting with picard that's why i'm like not totally against him in this movie and his his plot you know his his character arc it's just that the ending just... just It just doesn't work. It barely works. I don't know. But it's just so stupid. It's just... I don't know. Again, and you're not I, even like a hardcore
2: Trekkie. You're just like, no. this is a wrong movie thing.
1: I, I love him to death and... To death. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just the way he went out. The way he... Like, like, uh, it it should have been... Just handled a lot better, I don't know how, but it's not i guess my main point is it's not the way for Captain Kirk to go out
0: yeah yeah, uh, yeah. it's certainly certainly a a common a common opinion yeah and and just for what it's worth, I mean the enterprise getting destroyed the the reason for that was because the model and the sets that they had built were built for television, and they wanted an upgrade. You know, they were like, "If this is going to be a franchise, we want it to look badass." Mm-hmm. And you know, say what you want about uh, the the Enterprise crashing or whatever. I think it's a pretty cool sequence. But you know, regardless of that, I mean, we'll see next week. I mean, keep keep in mind, you know, what you're seeing this week and and what we see next week. And I think it was worth it i don't know
1: I, I i enjoy the enterprise crash but i think the oomph of that uh is not as big as it uh, maybe should have been because i already did see the enterprise explode like what three movies ago so yep. Yep. yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. so <laughs> all right any any uh, any final thoughts on star trek generations
1: I think I've turned more negative on this movie now after this okay. conversation. Yeah, we, we, didn't even get, we didn't even get into Data with his uh, Yeah, you know, that, that, that didn't bother me. Okay. Even though it, it kind of felt like a sort of a gag that you could have easily cut out of the movie. But <laughs> it, it really does not make any sense within the movie. I mean, it doesn't work within the movie, like... Again, you could have taken it out. It would have been the same movie.
0: I think that might have been another one of those mandated things. And it's something which they set up throughout the show. I mean, in a lot of ways, it makes sense because the entire series was sort of about him wanting to be human and everything. And now he, he gets that. But... You know, I mean, like, my friend is like, well, it's stupid because, you know, he comes to the realization or should come to the realization that he's better than humans. He's not, he's not human, he's better, whatever. And, and, and then, you know, it took away his uniqueness, you know, what made that character what it is. And as we'll see further down the road, they kind of just ignored it after
1: this. How many episodes, I mean, sorry, how many seasons of the show have there been, or were there seven? Seven, seven. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This very much feels like a season one conversation with him figuring out what feelings are. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah mm-hmm. That's the only thing that really bothered me about that, even though it felt like it was, it had no consequence. But I'm like, yeah, shouldn't he have learned this right, right out of the gate? Like episode yeah. one of the TV show? And I think that's another problem with the
2: film. I mean, I've just been listing problems I have with it left and right, so I apologize. <laughs> but like... Because I do love the next gen cast too, and it's just a bummer that this is their introduction to the mass mainstream audiences for the most part, right? And we're dealing with stuff like like their stories that they're following in this film are generally like, oh, we're like we're trying to do Khan again, and that's a narrative inherently for older characters. And then you have like like Marcel just brought up like Data being like. Feelings, like, what? like no feelings? Question mark. Yeah, uh, and then I think of something like like Joss Whedon's *Serenity*, which you know is is a, a sequel to a one season television series, and you know whatever we, Whedon's a controversial figure at this point, and I get that. So, um, but like for the film *Serenity*, after like a cold open that establishes the the narrative thrust and threat of the film, you're immediately launched into the ship of the serenity and in a single like unbroken five minute take you're introduced to each character popping out of a bunk, exchanging words heated conversations, you understand every character dynamic so perfectly you can just head off into another adventure with the film and you understand exactly where everyone's standing ten minutes into that. The end of this film, Marcello, do you feel like you have a good grasp on the cast of the next gen crew?
1: Um... Uh... I had a better grasp watching um, All Good Things. And then that grasp just so slipped good. away for some of these characters. They didn't flesh out, I guess, these these characters in a right. way that would... In, 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 in a way they did back in the original series films. So, to answer your question, Diego, no. I didn't feel as connected with this new crew as I did, you know, right off the bat in the mm-hmm. original series.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't really get... I mean... And that's kind of like where the things sort of flip. Like in the, in the show, you know, you have 26 episodes a season and you can say like, oh, well, this is going to be the Crusher episode where she's going to get to, you know, we're really going to get to explore her character or whatever. This is going to be the Troy episode. But in the movies, it's always like Picard and Data, Picard and Data. That's, it, <laughs> you know, and it's like, OK, you know, and then everybody else has nothing to do. So that's just kind of the way it it's always gone, and it's unfortunate, but you know I mean, there were a few uh movies where uh Worf almost wasn't in them because they didn't want to pay him, you know, and he's yeah so so it's just it's that's kind of the way it goes but
1: yeah i i guess my last thought on this is um i I have seen all the next generation films, including uh all good things right, and I'm revisiting them for this series but i can say clearly right now all good things is uh, if it were you know to be seen as a film that's that remains the best next generation film i've seen so yeah that's without it. a doubt so we'll see what happens next week
0: <laughs> oh we'll see what happens next week uh, in in more ways than one but mm-hmm. uh, okay um so diego any any final thoughts
2: all good things is is so good and that's why yeah. i don't like I'm, I've been dragging this movie, and I, I don't think it, like, tarnishes anything. Like, I'm not like, fuck Next Gen or anything like that now, you know, like, <laughs> that, that was a really good show, and it got such a great ending that it, it can't be tarnished for me. Like, what's so what was good is so good that, whatever, like, I can live with this. This isn't something I'm going to, like, start fighting people in the street over, you know?
1: hmm Yeah. I was going to ask Diego, like, you may have done it already, but... just someone, a- yeah. <laughs> just, I, I, is there anything, like, really positive you can say about this movie?
2: Uh, the cast is still really good. They're all good actors. And they, they bring quality game to a film that is, quite frankly, beneath everyone. Like, even <laughs> even people behind the camera. Like, the people that made it. Like, I know they all do better work than this. And that's what I'll say for now. We'll talk about it a little more next week.
0: Yeah, the cinema. I mean, we should just note the cinematographer. uh, He photographs Chinatown. You know, and and it really does have a different look. That was one of the things which really bothered me as a kid because it's like now it's. You know, dark enterprise. You know, and it's like, well, that it actually looks a lot better. It just doesn't look like you know we're used to where you could see everything. You know, mm-hmm. on the set, and and uh, so that th- it was kind of disappointing. But you look at it now, and you're like, oh, there's some actually some pretty good lighting going on here. Yeah, um, a- and the editor is the same guy who edited Undiscovered Country. They brought him over to do this one. So
1: yeah, yeah you could say uh, this is the. Uh, power rangers the movie of the star trek films (laughs) (laughs) uh sure i don't Uh,
2: yes (laughs) i've only seen one power rangers thing ever so
1: i don't know i just uh, just the way mike described how watching next generation the tv show and then jumping to the the films is a very different experience I, i don't know for me it's like watching the power rangers tv show and then jumping into the power rangers movie I'm like the sets are different it's like it's like lighted differently anyway that's where my mind went I apologize I'll yeah, save that it for the cool. I'll save it for the Power Rangers podcast eventually right. <laughs> no we're <not>
2: doing that. <laughs> do it with someone else if you guys want <laughs>
1: I've all never right. seen Power Rangers sorry guys <laughs> that's fine um, <laughs> it's a it's, it's, it's third series we're gonna do it's the Power no. Rangers
0: <laughs> so um all right uh Let's let's move on to the... I mean, I guess I'll just say my, my final thoughts. I, I, oh, yeah. I love this movie, but I can definitely see why people hate it. So there you go. Whatever. <laughs> so let's move on to um, our, our episode for this week, which is the other big thing which happened like literally two months after this. It's like, you know, Next Generation ends. Six months later, there's a movie. Two months later, there's The Replacement Show. And basically... They were like, we can mine next generation uh, you know uh, f- on the big screen, but we, we still need to have a second show. Deep Space 9 was always like the side show. you know it's like we're just gonna be over here doing its thing and we're not gonna really pay too much attention to it. It's a little weird. it's a little different and it, it's just gonna it's just gonna exist. But we need the flagship show and they were starting up a new network, which is what they tried to do when Motion Picture came out and it fell through. Paramount finally got their network, the United Paramount Network, UPN. And this episode that we watched was the very first thing to ever air on UPN. They knew that Star Trek was going to be the thing which anchored this network. And they built a network around it, mainly of sitcoms. There is one in particular called Pigsty, which uh, was not very good, but Liz Vassie he was on it so I was totally into that and uh, all these shows got cancelled after like a year but Voyager was the constant for seven years and uh, this was it um, a lot of people who worked on Next Generation kind of transitioned onto this show uh, behind the scenes uh, the showrunner of uh, Next Gen for like the, the Michael Pillar who brought Next Gen made it what it is today the guy who took over from the guy who lost the uh, screenplay competition for star Trek generations. He, he was brought in, um, along with Jerry Taylor, who had been running, um, next gen for the last two years, uh, two of the best years. And the two of them teamed up to create this show, uh, which was kind of, a. uh, uh, described as like a throwback to the original series because the, the the entire thing was going to take place on the other side of the galaxy and we'd see all new aliens and stuff that we had never seen before and they were boldly going where no one has gone before just in the other direction. So Marcelo.
1: No, okay. okay. <laughs> You've never seen Voyager before. I have not and hate to say it guys um It feels like I still haven't seen a Voyager episode. (laughs) Let me explain myself. Let me explain myself. I had a late night last night. It's my day off. Um, I ended up watching The Stand, the Ah. um, uh, six-hour, the the newly remastered Blu-ray. It was on sale. Uh, It holds up 25 years later, that miniseries, I think. But I may have set up too late. Um, And when I sat down to watch this today... I snoozed through a lot of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> but from what I can gather, maybe just this this was not the right episode for me to watch for Voyager cuz like in the beginning there wasn't enough to pull me in. I don't know. It was a interesting experience for me trying to watch this today. And I apologize again. I should have stayed awake to see the whole thing, but what I don't happens? know it it's it's you know I, it's like me explaining to a teacher i didn't do my homework but yeah it's it was an odd, it was an odd experience i i, I like to cede my time to diego who i hope watched this episode of tv
2: <laughs> yeah okay so voyager has the greatest premise in my opinion of like any of the star trek series like i think this is exactly like what i would pitch if i was pitching a star trek series you know like like the inverse of the original series, you know, I was like boldly going, but we're also trying to get back. Uh, and quite frankly, the show just never really, for me, um, fits like the pieces that it's, it's working with. And, uh, it's, this is, this is kind of me being a, a downer, Today, on, on the Star Trek episode, and <laughs> I hope everybody really? forgives me for that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Starting now?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I like other Star Trek things. Maybe, maybe, if I finish this glass of vodka <laughs> and I go back and I rewatch it, I will like it more.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I'll say one more thing. Like, it, it, you know, reading that fact that it was the first thing to, to premiere on UPN, it did take me back, and maybe I had that in mind, because I don't have many... F- I do have fond memories of UPN overall. <laughs> I mean, I watched Buffy. Was it Buffy that was on there? Yeah. Buffy went yeah. for the
2: last two mm-hmm. seasons. They saved yeah, Buffy. Yeah,
1: on UPN. I remember uh, some other weird shows are on UPN, but... The Unit?
2: What? Anyone else?
1: No? I don't think so.
2: <laughs> okay, that's okay. Yeah. It's military I think, I think propaganda.
1: The The PJs were on another network, but I don't know. It, it was that era of TV where it just felt like... It didn't feel cheap. It just felt like a certain 90s vibe. And I, I could not escape that watching this. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't have that watching uh, All Good Things, um, which is bizarre because... And also, I should say, I was watching on Netflix. And I don't, Mike, I don't, I don't know if there's any like remastered version of this, or if it's just all like kind of like standard definition. You know, uh, there's uh, if the qual- maybe like the, the quality is terrible. Yeah, if maybe the quality were like a bit more. You know, I don't know, watchable? Not watchable. That's maybe too mean. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. It's it's been a thing which
0: people have been campaigning for, uh, campaigning for forever because it's. Um, it's really bad right
1: but i i it's because i'm so used to watching things in you know in a better better you know better formats i'll just say to to kind of save me from this um to not make me seem like a dick the quality of the show didn't really shine through in the in the format i watched it in i'll say that
0: which is fair which is fair um I mean, I, I'm I'm completely on board with Diego in terms of the premise. When I first heard about this show, I'm like, "This sounds amazing!" Because it's like you know, a, 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 they they had been setting it up on on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine for like a year with this Maquis thing, where it's like, you know these these freedom fighters who you know, I mean that the whole thing is basically like their land has been taken from them, and uh, in. in a sort of like rezoning thing with the enemy, right? And now they're forced to relocate, and they're basically like, this is a bunch of bullshit. Fuck you guys, we're not moving. Right? And and it's like, they have a valid point, you know? It's not, you know, it's, but it's not like the, the Federation is in the right here. You know, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with that. But then, you know, this crew is tasked with, you know, arresting these people. And then they get stuck on the other side of the galaxy with them. And it's now it's like, okay, these two crews need to work together to get home. And it's like, oh, the tension, the drama, that sounds amazing. You know, that's gonna be a that's a great premise for a show. And that's what they wanted to do. But the network very much interfered with the show, and it very quickly became like, can't you I mean, like, next generation was really popular can't you just kind of make it more like Next Generation? And that's what they did. And it just became generic for a few years. I mean, seasons four, five, and six, you know, really kind of, you know, they did some interesting stuff. They introduced a new character uh, who was part borg or former borg and everything and then it really kind of took off and and was good but these first few years it's it's rough and i definitely think out of the next gen era it's the weakest of the shows um that being said it does have a huge following because uh especially among uh, women because you know Catherine janeway first woman who's who's a captain of a ship in star trek on a regular basis and everything like that like that was huge and i mean you you hear about like the scully effect you know um the, the uh the idea that a lot of women watched x files when they were kids and were inspired by scully to get into the sciences and are now you know Changing the world, right? I mean, the Janeway effect is just as strong, you know, and I mean, you hear about it all the freaking time. And for a lot of people, this is their Star Trek. I, I totally get that. But for me, this was like the mainstream thing which was going on while off to the side here, Deep Space Nine was flying under the radar, just being. Amazing, you know. Yeah. So, so that it, it that's that's kind of where I fall on Voyager, but I do think it's good, um, especially in seasons four, five, and six. So,
2: uh, we're, yeah. uh, Deep Space Nine is kind of like the secret cool handshake of the Star Trek. Exactly. You know, it's and what the
0: cool kids watch. Yeah.
2: Voyager is kind of like what everyone thinks Star Trek was, and again, and, I don't want to take I, it away from anyone who does really enjoy it, but. That's my feelings on it. I'm like, yeah, it is a, it is actually a little bit boring right now.
0: And, and and you hear about, like, what they wanted to do. I mean, this is another thing. Like, right after Deep Space Nine ended, Ron Moore went to work on Voyager and and he wanted to do some crazy stuff and he left after two episodes and went off and made Battlestar Galactica and Battlestar Galactica is what he wanted to do on Voyager okay you look at what Voyager is and what Battlestar Galactica is and it's like uh, but imagine a Battlestar Galactica version of Voyager that's the best show ever you know
1: yeah <laughs> oh god that would have ruled Uh okay, I, I i i'm wondering this Currently, like, were there any plans to take the Voyager crew or Deep Space Nine's crew and like put them in the movie universe or have them have their own spin off movies? Uh,
0: not, not Deep Space Nine. Um, Voyager, I think probably in early days they were like, yeah. Um, but next gen was still going strong by the time they ended. And the real plan was that after, um, Enterprise ended, then they would be the new movie crew. But then Enterprise got canceled, and then people stopped watching Star Trek, and then everything just got shot out the window. So, you yeah. know, that is yeah. what it is. So, okay, next week, we have Star Trek First Contact. But before <laughs> you watch Star Trek First Contact, we are watching what would be the equivalent of Star Trek First Contact's Space Seed. The best of both worlds parts one and two. However, here's another thing Uh-oh. best of both worlds part one and two. It was a season finale, cliffhanger, and a season premiere, right? So here's the thing, Marcelo. Okay, okay, okay. You're gonna have to do this, which is what okay. I-, I think. I think it was, it, it, I think, I, I can't remember who. There was some television writer who said that this is what he did when he was showing the 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 episode to his kids okay you have to watch best of both worlds part one and then you need to wait three hours one (laughs) (laughs) one hour for every month that people had to wait (laughs) back in 1990
1: for part two okay jesus christ okay so i (laughs) I'm just going to watch a three-hour movie in between. That's Uh, fine.
0: I mean, it doesn't have to be exactly three hours, but it has to be at least three hours. How about, like, 30 minutes can I do no, that
2: sounds really
0: it be fun three hours okay? that sounds
2: really fun I'm gonna do that
0: alright I think I'm gonna do it too and then First Contact you, you need to watch these before First Contact and here's a bonus Marcelo since you were talking about liking Picard's uh, you know thing with his, his brother dying and stuff yeah, like yeah. that
1: <laughs> don't do, I don't want anybody maybe jumping in getting that out of context I don't like that his brother died okay I like that character moment in that <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: the The episode right after Best of Both Worlds, Part Two, is called Family, and it's really sort of like the epilogue to Best of Both Worlds. It's like the episode where they're like, "We're not gonna. We don't have any conflicts. It's just we're just gonna sit around and talk about what happened." Okay. And that episode, Picard goes back to his vineyard to to to, to see his brother and his nephew. And uh, that, that that's where uh, all that stuff came from. So if okay. you want some more backstory there, and and the episode family, it's badass. It's it's good. Ron Moore wrote it, and it's it's solid, uh, really solid. But it's all character stuff. There's no conflict whatsoever. Um, but if you want a little bonus after best of both worlds, check that out too. So, I think I will. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then and then Star Trek: First Contact.
1: Oh my god. It's a movie i uh, this is a tease a movie i watched for the first time years ago and did not like so i'm eager yeah. to see it again <coughs> see what happens It's interesting it's very yeah. interesting all right well until then uh
0: diego where can people find you on the internet
2: Finishing this glass of vodka. Now, uh, <laughs> at the Diego Crespo uh, on Twitter and Instagram, and check out the Waffle Press on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Patreon, where I'm taking Patreon recommendations for movies that people want us to talk about on the podcast, and starting to do more of those because we all have free time now.
1: <laughs> so, cool. What about you, Marcelo? Talkfilmsociety.com. Uh, read us. Uh, listen to us, love us, go to our patreon patreon.com dot slash talk from society for bonus episodes, bonus series. Um, I mean, as of now we've added a new well, we have Bayhem. Um, I think by this i' am not sure we didn't we didn't decide when this Star Trek series is gonna come out, but you maybe, know. yeah, yeah, I don't know. maybe uh, as soon as this pops up, you know, in the Patreon feeds, uh, then Bayhem will be ending on the free feeds on the Talk From Society, you know, account. But yeah, check that out. Talk From Society if you haven't. Bayhem. By this point, I think they should all be on there. And yeah, again, Talk From Society at TalkFilmSOC. Check us out. All right. And you can find
0: me on Twitter and Letterbox at Mumbles3K. And you can also find me on my website, filmdamagepod.com, doing a show called Film Damage. Uh, We now have um, uh, film damage uh, face masks available on uh, (laughs) Redbubble in case uh, you need some cool face coverings. Uh, We're not making any money off of them, but, uh, you know, I I just wanted to buy one for myself, so it's up there for anyone else. All right, that's it for this week. So until next week, guys, you ready? I'm (laughs) ready. All right. Three, two, one. I I
1: have had. had... Enough
2: of, of, of you. you.